This is Hammond and Jessica, and you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Hello. Hi, how are you, Hammond? I am okay. So many different things to talk about, like a variety. I like it when it's not Trump because there's like 87 <laughs> things to discuss. You know, it's funny. Mikey and I were watching this past week's SNL yesterday. Yeah. And we we're like... Oh, I kind of miss this version of SNL when it's like really low stakes and doesn't right. feel like yeah. doesn't feel like they're trying to like poke a bear. Yeah, everything um, still sucks, but it's like eight different versions of sucks instead of just one overarching awfulness. Well, and I would add to that that the root of the suckiness is now sort of uh, you know, cast far and wide as opposed to before when we could really zoom in the shittiness <laughs> onto one human being. So I think it just makes our job as journalists much more uh, difficult and rewarding. <laughs> let's so let's start with this one because I've gotten different responses to this story depending on who's hearing it. But this one's interesting. Um, there is a back in the George W. Bush time there was he started a white house basically mm -hmm. office of faith-based initiatives um when i started getting active in this movement uh 20 ish years ago bush is in office <laughs> if you asked a bunch of atheist activists like what are you worried about uh in terms of uh, issues beyond trying to get people to be atheists or something this would have been near or at the top of their list saying basically the government is giving money to religious groups to do uh social things like run a soup kitchen run a homeless shelter what have mm -hmm. you but they're just giving these churches money and it's that the government should not be using taxpayer dollars to just hand over to churches, no matter what they're doing, because it's ultimately going to be used for ah, proselytizing and all that good stuff. And so that's the issue. And so this was kind of a big thing people complained about for a long time. So 2008 rolls around. Barack Obama is in office. And mm -hmm. what did he do with this office? He does not get rid of it okay. to the anger of church state separation crowd. But he does appoint someone else to run it. His name is Joshua Dubois. And one of the things that happened under that leadership is that it was actually somewhat better in terms of not just giving... There was better oversight. You weren't just giving away money to religious groups unless they were doing what they said they were doing. Mm -hmm. The one issue that remained uh, that people still complained about is that, uh, for example, I'm not citing a specific, I'm giving a hypothetical here. If you gave federal money to a Catholic-run adoption agency, foster home, something like that, right. I think that's a good service. We want those groups to be helping connect children with families that need them, that want them. That's great. The problem is those groups might say, hey, we're faith-based. We don't deal with same-sex couples because how dare you? That's right. Why. It's the worst thing I can think of as I of stare at a room full of parentless children. That's right. And so the issue is, well, you're giving money to these religious groups to do ostensibly secular things, mm -hmm. but their religious beliefs still make them discriminatory. And if you're getting federal dollars, you shouldn't be discriminating with it. Correct. But they allowed it to happen. Obama allowed it to happen. And then in his second term, uh, Dubois resigns and 
Obama appoints someone else to run the ship. Her name was Melissa Rogers. And her background is interesting here because she was the former general counsel for the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, which, if you know nothing else about them, we're talking about, like, the good Baptists, not the Southern Baptists who are anti-gay and anti-women and racist and stuff. She's awesome. And she's pro-church state separation. Mm -hmm. And she met in person with atheist groups and things like that. Um, So she actually managed to avoid a lot of the problems that her predecessors had. Uh So here's a pop quiz for you. What did Trump do with that office? Um, uh, I don't know. Adopted it as his own. (laughs) He ignored it entirely. Oh, really? He just forgot it existed, which is weird. But he also started his own White House Faith and Opportunity Initiative, which sounds similar, but it's not. To say that he forgot that it existed assumes that he never (laughs) never knew about it. He never knew that it existed. But this this is the he set up his own office that was eventually run by Paula White. Uh, the one who's like the prosperity gospel scamvangelist. She does. She makes memes for people like us. Um, so anyway, actually, the funny thing is Melissa Rogers, who was the f- former faith based uh, agency's head, uh-huh. said, you know what? We're actually better off this way because the less Trump does with this office, the better yeah. <laughs> for all of us. Anyway, that's your background. So the question is, what's Biden doing with this office? He's not getting rid of it, even though that's what every progressive wants him to do, because why are you doing this work with faith-based groups at all? They say he is keeping it. He's bringing back Melissa Rogers to run the place. And again, Melissa Rogers is awesome. Um, I've already said she met up with atheist groups in the past. He's also bringing in a guy named Joshua Dixon as like the deputy head of this place. And if you remember, like there was a group called humanists for Biden during the campaign, a smaller group put out. And I was part of that. We put out like a video saying, here's why our values lead us to support Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Um, We like, our group did all the work, but Josh Dixon sat in at our meetings where we were discussing this stuff. Like they wanted our involvement, which again, is it lip service? Whatever. That's more than we usually get, but it's not nothing. Sure. So the point is, this is, here's what I think they deserve to be judged on. Now, if they're keeping this office around and not getting rid of it, the question is open as to how are they going to make sure that the money they give out to religious groups that do good work Mm -hmm. is used for good work and not discrimination and not like, Oh, this is money. Our church was setting aside for a soup kitchen, but now you're giving it to us. We can use it for other stuff. Sure. Um, And also like, okay, that's one thing we could judge them based on how they approach that. But the other thing is, I don't think this is a bad thing. A lot of Americans are driven and motivated by their religious beliefs or their Mm -hmm. atheism or what have you. I don't think it's weird for the white house to say, you know what? We want to make sure we have an in with all of these different groups, not just Christians either. Right. we, We know that if we can communicate to them through their religious leaders, they might listen. That's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. What the difference is like when the government tells you how you should run your organization or if 
it's endorsing it or promoting it, that's a problem. That's not what this office is. And by the way, I also I also think it's strategic for Democrats to do this mm-hmm. because religious Republicans have gotten away for years by saying, you know, we're the party of faith, but Democrats sure. are godless. God well, here's Joe, here's Joe Biden saying, no, I want to make sure our administration is reaching out to people of all faiths and no faith. And this is one way to do it. Mm-hmm. And if it helps, great. Like, it's not the only thing they're doing. I'm just I'm not bothered by it. But I've seen so much criticism of the office's existence from so many other atheists online. And again, judge them by what they do with it. I have not seen any evidence of them doing anything shitty with it yet. And if they do, by all means, rip them apart for it. Right. Yeah, that's funny because I uh, we haven't talked about this before this, and I assumed you're going to come in hot with, like, this shouldn't exist or whatever. But, like, yeah, I agree with you. It's... I, I I think it's responsible for a government to reach out to um, cultural leaders and, you know, and, and that's one way to do it. It's not the only way, nor do I think it's the only thing they're doing. Um, but yeah, no, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. So keep an open mind about that place is all I'm saying to listeners. Let me talk about this thing that I saw in Newsweek, which apparently still exists as a print publication, but it's like a shell of the magazine it used to be. Okay. I'll <laughs> basically post anything because, like, no one's manning the ship anymore. Cool. And so this week, they posted an article by a guy named Paul Glader, who happens to, like, run the journalism department at the King's College in New York City which is a Christian school that used to be run for many years by convicted felon Dinesh D'Souza. So, oh, I forgot about that guy. Totally. totally he had some fun place. quotes about Rush Limbaugh that I'd like to dive into. <laughs> yes, he's also the guy who this week said, what's wrong with Ted Cruz going to Cancun? It's good. He's off the power grid, oh, everyone. I'm so sorry. That's the quote I was thinking of, not about Rush Limbaugh. It's so embarrassing. I Wait, can we just live in this moment for a second? So, so I've, I've had, had so much happiness over that story. I've genuinely had an unexpected Unexpectedly, unexpectedly delightful week. If for re- I mean, granted, I just slept all day Wednesday because I got LASIK and you have to sleep afterwards. So I think that probably helped things. Um, but <laughs> I wake up yesterday to everybody just dunking on Ted Cruz. And I was like, oh my God, I can see. And also we all hate Ted Cruz. What a wonderful day. Now, I don't want to make light of what's happening in Texas because it's really fucking dangerous and as a, as a it, friend posted uh, as a friend of mine posted on twitter there is no one with heat in texas the only heat is coming from the roasting of ted cruz um i have just been following this story obsessively because i think it's so fucking funny and i do want to come back to your king's college story Hemet or whatever it's called. But I just, I just want to live in this moment of roasting Ted Cruz. So <laughs> if you haven't been paying attention, um, he got busted when people noticed that he and his family got on a flight to Cancun. If you're not in the United States of America, we are suffering or this past week. We've been suffering a huge winter storm. That's like, destabilized the fucking country. There's people all over the country who haven't had, not just like, Oh, their power went out. They haven't had power for days and days and days. I, um, Griffin McRae, who's a podcaster. I, I follow 
he he and his wife and and kid luckily were able to find a hotel for a couple nights. They came back to their house and everything was fucking fr- like they left water running and it's just dr- like frozen out of oh, the like God. shit is fucked. And during all of this Senator Ted Cruz, the great leader that he is, packed up his wife and kids and decided they were going to take a trip to Cancun, Mexico. Um, Because if you want a better life, cross the border. (laughs) Something Ted Cruz fully supports. Oh, God. And so so everyone's like, hey, Ted Cruz, this is what we call not good leadership, if if we're going to name this thing. And he releases a statement and throws his daughter. Do you know how old his daughters are off the top of your head? 10 and 12. They're not, yeah, I thought they were teenagers. No, they're kids. He threw kids under the bus. He said that, oh, his daughters really wanted to go on a vacation and he wanted to make them happy. So what he was going to do was fly them from Houston to Cancun, make sure they get settled, I guess, and then fly back that night or the following night. Now, what happened is we all saw the suitcase that he brought, which is not an overnight bag. It was a several days bag. Um, and and so, admits, oh, yeah, I was going to come back like a week later. Well, um, he said it wasn't a vacation. He said this yesterday. It wasn't a vacation. I was just going to stay through the weekend, which, sir, Thursday to Sunday is a vacation. Like, I don't know what planet you're living on, but if I leave the country for four days, I consider that a vacation. This is what happens when you think your entire job is planning insurrections. It's. You can so, just do it from a distance. And so everybody's been dunking on him. Like, like there have been really incredible tweets. Just go to my Twitter page because I've retweeted all of them because they're all very good and very funny. It's, you know, what's the one I saw? Like, blame your blame your daughter for work day or something like that. That's a good one. Yeah. But, like, the peak, wonderful, hot, spicy take came from Dinesh D'Souza. <laughs> who genuinely said like i had to look this up because i didn't believe anybody could be this like much of a simpering idiot he literally tweeted like it's good that ted cruz and his family because that leaves more power for the rest of texas and it's just listen zero divided by a large number minus ted cruz is still zero they don't teach math at the King's College. It's so embarrassing. Um, and also, like, I want to be clear about what's going on. The the right is extremely quickly to be like, um, the wind turbines froze or whatever they're saying happened. Which, if any of anything that happened is not a reason that green energy is not working, it's a reason that you need to actually do some work to keep up infrastructure. 10 years ago, something, maybe more than 10 years ago, I think 09, there was something similar happened. And like they were told, the Texas government was told like, hey, you should probably winterize your shit because like, if this happens again, a lot of people are probably going to be without power and probably die. And they're like, LOL, we need guns though. So they focused on guns for a little while longer. Um, and now this happened again. And yeah, lo and behold, people are dying because they're not taking care of their shit. It's almost like they want green energy to fail. It's, it's always nice of people like Ted Cruz to make their hypocrisy so obvious that there it's was, hard even for the right to ignore it. Mm-hmm. There was um, one fake tweet that I want to warn people against because it almost got me. But he 
<laughs> there's a fake tweet floating around that Ted Cruz said, I'll believe climate change is real when Texas freezes over, <laughs> which is not real. Um, but so just be mindful. So Ted Cruz decided to ditch Texas. A blame state his daughters. He, blame his daughters, a state he's the senator of. Meanwhile, um, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was raising like $2 million for Texas, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though Ted Cruz makes her out to be the enemy of everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. And Joe Biden's calling the governor of Texas and did not say, wait, did you vote for me? Oh, oh, yeah. no, yeah. just saying, let me help you. Uh, John Jr. posted up a video today that said something about how everybody's du- like how dunking every- on Cruz. Dun- well, dunking on Cruz when their Democratic governor did nothing, and it's like, oh, well, he bring up it is <laughs> definitely a Republican, bud. What are you doing? Oh, He's Ted so Cruz. dumb. Oh, those yeah. sweet dumb dumbs. So are all we talking about is- Cruz or Trump Jr.? All of them. Uh-huh. All they do, all they want is to like rule the world and just be idiots, and we just won't let them. And that's mean on our account. Anyway, Kings. College. Oh, right. So Newsweek, which notice I'm not singing any Hamilton. So congratulations. Thank you. Go ahead. So Paul, Paul Glader, this professor at the King's College, posts this article on Newsweek. Here's what best case scenario. Here's what he was trying to do. He was saying that when the pandemic hit, kids couldn't go to school anymore. So they had to do remote learning. Right. And that's essentially a version in some cases of homeschooling because until you could get the technology up and running to do remote learning, parents kind of had to fend for themselves. Um, So that was kind of a version of homeschooling. And you know what? Some parents liked it. And so even when schools open back up, there's going to be a lot of parents who decide to stick with this homeschooling thing. That's kind of what he was arguing. If my feed is any indication, nobody has been enjoying this homeschooling thing. (laughs) We are not talking about your friends. <laughs> Everyone else. But yeah, okay. here, his idea, what, here's the headline of the story. How the pandemic forces leftists and atheists to make peace with homeschooling. His implication was that normally these people hate homeschooling, but now even they're coming to terms with it. Which, no, no. Like, first of all, there are atheist homeschoolers. The reason there's a lot of criticism from the left, and especially, specifically, from atheists when it comes to homeschooling, is because a lot of the resources, uh, there's a few reasons, but one of them is a lot of the resources available to parents come from, like, Christian publishers. It's a lot of very religious textbooks that are meant for you to use at home. Right. And it's hard to get away from that. That's one criticism of it. Another one is a lot of states have just no regulation Mm -hmm. to make sure kids are learning. Like if parents are actually teaching their kids the bare minimum they have to teach and then whatever else they want to teach. Okay, fine. The problem is... What happens if parents are not teaching their kids the bare minimum, um, but they use it to just preach to their kids, indoctrinate them? Like, I know part of it is it's their business, but also Mm -hmm. those kids have a right to an education. But if there's no way to check up on them and Christian homeschooling groups are vehemently opposed to any kind of oversight, Mm -hmm. which means abuse falls under the radar, bad education falls under the radar. Like that's the issue with homeschooling. If it's, if it's done by, because parents want to teach their kids the stuff and they want to do different things and more things. All right, fine. Like that's a different conversation. Anyway, here's what this guy Glader writes about the opposition 
to homeschooling. And he's basing this off of American atheists saying, you know what? The I'm paraphrasing. The number of families choosing homeschooling has skyrocketed during the pandemic. And it, American Atheist was worried that, according to the U.S. Department of Education, 64% of parents say they homeschool to provide religious instruction. And it's like, okay, if that's your primary goal, this could end badly. Sure. So American Atheist, back in January, said, we're worried about this. Wait, can I ask a clarifying yeah. question? Um, is Are we making a... Are, are we differentiating between homeschooling and remote learning? We are. Okay. Like remote learning is just school. We got to do over Zoom because the pandemic forces us to do that. Um, That's not the issue. So, in addition to everybody's homeschooling, their or excuse me, everybody's kids are at home at school. Some are further taking their kids out of the whatever district they were in. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. These are the parents who these are the parents who plan now to keep their kids at home even when they can go back to school because they realize, you know what, I can do a better job of this myself. Okay, Mm -hmm. fine. Whatever. Um, Here's what Glader wrote about why American Atheist was so mad about this homeschooling thing. It's unclear if these secularists are afraid of children having more time with their parents in general or only for those whose children are completely detached from public schools and whose parents offer religion within the curriculum. Wait, what? Wait, wait, what? Is he saying that we're worried about kids spending too much time with their parents? That is what he wrote. Does he even believe that? (laughs) I have no idea. That's what he wrote. It's like, that's not even a thing any of these groups have talked about, nor Where would they. pulling that? Fr- that's, that's almost impressive projection. Yeah. And the weird thing about that is American atheists, which brought up legit concerns about homeschooling, not saying homeschooling is bad, saying that without oversight, it could be bad. Mm-hmm. And we support oversight because we want accountability. Here's what Glader himself wrote. He he first said, you know, I was homeschooled and there were problems for me, but you know what? I was able to get my education and everything worked out fine. There's nothing wrong, therefore, with homeschooling. But listen to how he talks about his own homeschooling. My sister and I would flip open our Saxon math books and we're supposed to teach ourselves pre-algebra. We come... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I Anna. When we when we completed that book, our high school math education was announced complete. My sister and I shuttled off to work with a ministry that I consider a cult. Dot dot dot. Okay, different issue. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, that took a right turn. <laughs> but also like pre-algebra for I mean, granted, I taught at a suburban school district for a while. Pre-algebra is pretty low when it comes to how far you could get in high school math. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, like, okay, if you were done after pre-algebra, you missed out on a lot of math. And then this is what Glader writes later. I was just thinking that that was too way too complicated for anybody to teach themselves. So we're really running at this from different directions. (laughs) (laughs) It's both. It's hard to teach yourself, but it's possible. But also, if that's the furthest you ever get, you're missing out on a lot. But he said, we scored well on the GED math section, Mm -hmm. which is what they took. But then he adds, that logic would later cause me problems when I went to college at the University of South Dakota. Despite being an honors student, I had to drop calculus and take remedial math, no kidding, for lack of adequate high school math. It delayed my college graduation and cost me thousands of dollars. Oh, shit. But his point is, 
I, I'm paraphrasing now. He managed to complete two master's degrees, one in journalism, become a professor in my second act at life. My sister, who has a bunch of kids, is now getting her bachelor's, doing well, got mm-hmm. some scholarships. Pr- I'm proud of her. That's fine. Good for you. But that's all the more reason this guy, Glader, should be supporting American atheist because his parents, Glader's parents did him a disservice by not teaching him what he needed to be prepared for college level anything. I mean, I'm kind of, this is sounding a lot to me like, like the thing of like, well, my parents hit me or like spanked me when I was a kid Uh and I'm fine. Like, that's kind of what it sounds like. But like, well, it sounds like your parents kind of did you a disservice. Not to say that they are bad people fundamentally, or they did something malicious, but like I couldn't fucking teach math. That's for sure. Um, and he's doing the thing that a lot of people do. Like, well, I got, it's the thing of like, well, I paid my student loan debts. How come you don't have to pay yours? Like, well, I mean, that's good that you came out on top. I would like to hear other people who maybe didn't have the, didn't have the extra thousands of dollars to stay in college and, and continue their math education. Like, So not only is he mischaracterizing the atheists, I mean, and I specifically talk about American atheists, not only is he mischaracterizing their position on homeschooling, he doesn't understand what these groups want. And finally, after a lot of complaints from American atheists, myself, others, you know what they changed in the piece? Oh, tell me. Newsweek has now added an update. We've changed the headline. (laughs) (laughs) It now says how the pandemic helped me make peace with homeschooling. But all that crap he wrote about American atheists is still in there. And the update says this headline was changed to better reflect the author's intentions. I read his intentions. It's still in the article. You haven't changed anything. Yeah. I mean, that's. At least they didn't. I don't know. Do you, would you consider that doubling down? No, I think they still haven't figured out what the problem is. So they're like, look, oh, okay. we, fixed, we fixed the headline you all complained about. It's like the headline was one of many things we complained about. And you right. kind of missed the bigger stuff. So boy, what is up with boy. that? I have a, one more kind of a big story that I want to cover because it's not getting any attention anywhere else. But I think this one's important. Okay. Here's here's the backstory. There's a city in Kentucky called Versailles, kind of like France. It's just outside of Lexington. And they got some relief money from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. They got about $1.2 million in relief aid that was meant to help them build a new tornado shelter in the case of a disaster down the road. Okay. And so it's up to the city to decide what it wants to do with that money, how they're going to spend it to make the shelter. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's nothing weird about that. It happens all the time. Here's the problem. The city officials basically decided that the best land to build this tornado shelter on happens to be on land connected to a church, First Mm. Baptist Church. And they basically, the two sides, the church and the city, struck up a deal where here's what the city is planning on doing. They're going to use the $1.2 million to build basically an extension of the church that's going to be primarily used by the church for worship. But if there's there's a tornado emergency, or I guess other types of emergencies, the city gets to take it over and use it as a shelter. 
But okay. the primary use of this building that the city is going to make is for Christian worship. Hmm. That's the issue. And again, no one seems to be denying any of the things I just said. Mm -hmm. The question is whether or not this is legal. Here's the mayor. His name is Brian uh, Traugott. He basically said, um, I'm paraphrasing here, it doesn't matter to me if it's a church or a ping pong facility. I don't care if they use the building as long as we have a shelter in place. I don't care where we build it as long (laughs) as we have a shelter and this is the best place for the shelter. But again, this is not primarily a shelter. Right. This Can is you, a church. Whose uh, ultimate decision was it where to put the church or where to put the shelter? Um, like, I assume who- city officials. But the Freedom From Religion Foundation has issued a uh, has made a public records request for conversations between the church and the city because the church actually went to the city and said, you should consider this area because we fit everything you're basically looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can make this work. And the city's like, that does sound like a great idea. That's what FFRF is looking into. Like, come on, were they, were they pretty clear about what they needed this for? Yeah. And again, the issue here is if the government taxpayer dollars, if the government is giving a seven figure dollar amount to a church and it covers 87% of the cost for the church to build this addition to their building. Yeah. That's pretty clearly an endorsement of the church. You would not ever see that happening with a mosque because Christians would be like, how dare you government? Yeah. It's that argument. That's what we're saying about you. Um, hmm. The mayor said it's a perfect location. It's near the housing authority in a low income district where many of the homes don't have basements or crawl spaces for shelter. So like it's right in the place where we need this place to be built. Uh-huh. Um, but FFRF is saying, look, you're making a mistake. We know this issue better than you do. <laughs> right. um, you need to stop this because if it's primarily being used by the church as a church and you like every now and then can hide like, hijack it i mean that in a good way for shelter <laughs> for shelter usage uh-huh. um that's nice it doesn't matter the, if the primary use is as a church like the courts are not gonna let this fly yeah F- fffrf has also written a letter to fema saying you gotta maybe take back this grant money you're giving because of what they're doing with it and also you should double check they didn't lie to you about why they were using this money oh interesting because maybe they said we want it as a shelter and now they're telling local papers yeah it's going to be a church that we're also going to use as a shelter sometimes um okay i have some logistical questions that i'm not sure if you'll be able to answer but okay. I'm, I'm trying to decide how i feel about this because this definitely feels like a thing that while i see that it's not ideal i'm having a hard time getting my hackles up about it yeah yeah normally if we built this shelter would it be a standalone shelter or would it normally be like a community center that also happens to have a a tornado shelter or like that's usually i believe that's what it could be and should be in this case you build a community facility it doesn't have to be anything fancy but basically it ought to be something the community can use right regardless the of case, their religion yeah and in the case of a shelter like use it as a shelter right um that's not what's happening here but, i mean if not a lawyer just putting this out there if the if the city wants to say look all of this is totally legal they basically would have to say we didn't have any other choice this is really the best spot to build this place we are not endorsing religion in any way no one's going to be um 
excluded or proselytized to if they visit this place or anything like that. Sure. I have a hard time believing they have literally zero other options and they just got to build a church. Sorry, we have no other choice here. That seems yeah. like a hard sell. Um, but again, if if you let this thing slide, so to your point about I, it's hard to get your hackles raised about this, if you let this slide... I promise you, this is the sort of case that of other Christians will point to and say, well, hey, we need a church, too. If you need to use it two days a year for an emergency, right. but you want to pay 90% of the cost to, for the church, we'll gladly make that deal. Right. Like, And to be clear, in Texas right now, like Joel Osteen's church said, you know what? We learned our lesson from the bad press we got after Hurricane Harvey. Mm-hmm. We're going to open our doors to anybody mm-hmm. uh, who needs heat. And that's a good thing. That's nice. By the way, a mattress store in Texas that has some big warehouses, they're doing, they're offering shelter to more people. Oh yeah. They've been getting a lot of very good press. Yeah. Um, But we shouldn't like if, if a church wants to use its money to build a church and then it opens itself up as a shelter, good for them. That's very nice. But for the city to say we're building a shelter. Oh, by the way, it kind of looks and sounds like a church. Just ignore that. Right. Yeah. I mean, this again, falls in line with the, I, I always bring it back down to like the, the uh, nativity on city property thing, because that was mm-hmm. sort of my first toe into this sort of thing that like feels very low stakes and ultimately kind of is, but is a way to kind of w- wriggle through these things and then give precedent. Like, Oh, well we've done this for years. We've had this cross up here for years. Then why you never why complained about it before? Why would right. you complain about it? Now? And I hate it. Like, I don't like being, I don't like the atheists or the separation of church and state people being being kind of cast as this sort of vindictive kind of thing, because like, I think were it not for the pattern that we've seen over and over and over again of churches taking advantage of these kinds of things and then and then continuing to use their own discriminatory practices, which they are allowed to do as a religion, but not allowed to do as a publicly supported um, uh, organization. It just like stop making us be the bad guy. Can you just fucking stay we, in we your lane almost, for one month? We necessarily have to play defense in the courts, and mm-hmm. that's not a good mm-hmm. look for anybody when it's always mm-hmm. like, we're going to fight you on this because we have to. Um, it's not the other way around, though. You won't see the government giving atheist groups like a ton right. of money. And then Christians are like, we're being, per-. mind you, Christians are the ones saying we're being persecuted. Right, everything. exactly. Um, yeah, meanwhile, that shit is no fun. Here's a million bucks for a church, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, let me give a shout out to our sponsor really quick. Um, f- 15-year-old Bailey Harris was watching that TV show Cosmos, the reboot of the Carl Sagan show Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson several years ago. And she was just captivated when Neil deGrasse Tyson said, we are all made of star stuff. He said the planets, the stars, the galaxies, we ourselves and all of life, the same star stuff. And she was so excited by that concept that we are all kind of connected in this interstellar way. And she wanted to share that with other kids. And it led her to write a book called My Name is Stardust. And a new special edition of the book just came out. It has a foreword by Richard Dawkins. It has beautiful artwork inside. It teaches the fundamentals of 
secular creation, if you will, and the fundamentals of evolution. And the hope is it inspires a love of science for kids as well. If you are interested, just go to stardustscience.com and you can use the code friendly atheist for 10% off there. So thank you to Bailey Harris and Stardust Science. I wanted to talk about a story that's going on with the Washington National Cathedral, which is the church home for a lot of former presidents. Well, and, I think most of our yeah. listeners would recognize it from the uh, the seminal show West Wing and the episode Two Cathedrals, where President Bartlett gives an amazing monologue and smokes in that cathedral. I think that's where everybody's context is of that, right? That, Just me? That's the whole story right there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So moving on to the next one. (laughs) So at this place, uh, yeah, home of many past presidents, they recently invited a guy named Pastor uh, Max Lucado to speak to the congregation virtually. Um, The sermon itself was not controversial. They didn't ask him to speak about anything too weird, whatever Jesus stuff they talk about. Um, Here's the problem. Lucado, 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 one or the other, he opposes marriage. He opposes marriage equality, and he's generally one of those anti-LGBTQ Christians. Like he doesn't make a big deal about it. But if you ask him, like you, he he's not fire and brimstone. Like I think gay people deserve to be executed by the government. He's not one of them. But if you ask him, like, do you support same-sex marriage? He's like, no, I think it's not biblical. He's one of those people. Yeah, just like some people are still pro-slavery and they're not going to yell at you about it, but they just have this abhorrent view and we should let them have those views. There's no problem (laughs) there. I have no problems. Right. And but he hasn't always been that way, because in 2004, he was very explicit about it. The 2004 being a year when uh, George W. Bush like use the fact that Democrats were starting to support marriage equality Uh as a political weapon. So in 2004, Lucado wrote that homosexuality will lead to legalized incest. And he also said... Oh, he loves slippery slope arguments, huh? Oh, yeah. He also said same-sex marriage is just like incest and bestiality. Um, As far as we can tell, he's never, like, apologized at the time for saying all that stuff. But he doesn't talk about that anymore. Like, if you go to this guy's church, you would never hear him speak about these issues anymore. It's just one of their, like, we believe in biblical marriage. It's just written somewhere in their church code somewhere. And then they move on from it. So anyway, the Washington National Cathedral, which is generally progressive, mm-hmm. invites, invites this guy to talk about Jesus. And again, the question is, are they... Are they basically condoning his views by inviting him to speak? I would say yes. There was a a petition uh, that went out a couple weeks ago that said, what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. Why would you invite him? And the guy who runs the cathedral, Randolph Hollerith, basically, (laughs) he initially said, we didn't do anything wrong. He said, we can still hold our convictions and cling to our values in the midst of disagreement. That's what he said at first Mm -hmm. when people started raising a ruckus about this. Mm -hmm. But this week he went back. uh, He wrote a letter, open letter to the church saying he made a mistake. And check this out. Tell me if you accept this as an apology on behalf of LGBTQ people. Uh, Here's what the cathedral leader wrote. In my straight privilege, I fail to see and fully understand the pain he has caused. 
I failed to appreciate the depth of injury his words have had on so many in the LGBTQ community. Dot, dot, dot. Was it a mistake to invite Max Lucado to preach at the cathedral? Seeing all too clearly now the pain that it caused and the trauma it resurrected for so many, I know that it was. I made a mistake. I made a mistake and I am sorry. Unquote. That's the head of the cathedral. And then here's, here's where it gets even more wild. Max Lucado issued an apology as well. He said... the, The homophobic preacher? Yeah, he said in 2004, I preached a sermon on the topic of same sex marriage. I now see that in that sermon, I was disrespectful. I was hurtful. I wounded people in ways that were devastating. I should have done better. Now, okay. the first apology. Um, yeah, I'll get to a grand that slam. In a second. Yeah. <laughs> the first one is a pretty grand slam apology, I will say, yeah. like. Because listen, and I this doesn't mean he's completely off the hook for everything he did, but like an apology to me, an apology is somebody acknowledging acknowledging what they did wrong, which he and, did, which he did, and and I don't think it's unfair. Like I feel like people a lot of times sort of dismiss people and say like, oh, I didn't think about it because I was this. And like while I understand, like he is in a position that it's his as a leader of a huge church in the nation's capital. It's his responsibility to understand like how words and people impact others. However, acknowledging that he had the kind of privilege that said like, Oh, it's not a big deal. It was a long time ago. We don't talk about it anymore. Like that is a, a mistake that a person who is not conscious about his impact on society would say. And now it sounds like he is more aware of that impact and will do better in the future. Like that's all I want from an apology. All I want is you not to say sorry to anyone who is offended. (laughs) Right. So what about Lucado's apology? He can go fuck himself. And here's here's where it, the here's what got to me about it. He said I preached on it. I compared it. I mean, he didn't say this, but he compared same-sex marriage to incest and bestiality and he says I shouldn't have been I was disrespectful. I hurt people. But at no point in there does he say I was wrong. I was wrong, yeah. Yeah. He still believes homosexuality is a sin. He still believes same-sex marriage is immoral. I don't know if he would fight against it legally, Mm -hmm. like saying, should they deserve equal rights under the government versus what you may or may not do in a church. I don't know that he opposes that. But again, the point is... Yeah, he he's not saying I was wrong. He's saying I said it inartfully, basically. Right, right. So, I should have been more subtle. <laughs> yeah, I should have been more subtle with my bigotry. Yeah. So, right, screw this guy. Like, I don't feel I don't I by the way, I think I have given a speech at this guy's church with a different pastor. I was invited to their church years ago to speak about being an atheist. Where was this? Um this is in Texas, San Antonio. Okay. Um and the church was fine. Like the fact that they were saying, we want to hear what an atheist has to say about us. Like that tells you what type of church it is. Well, and you're an we want to guess. So it's not like you're just some random Brown guy who showed right. up. Right, right, right. Um, that's right. Uh, Lucado wasn't there that weekend, but um, just their church is generally not on the worst end of the spectrum, but they're still an evangelical church that holds evangelical views. Sure. So it's like, I don't know how much, how much criticism do you give to them for basically being exactly who they say they are? But again, I, I don't think they should have invited him because how do you not know? You don't have to give these people a platform. You're not doing anyone a favor. And again, this one backfired and now they felt it. So good. 
Um, but this goes to anyone. You don't have to invite these horrible people who say horrible things in nice ways. So yeah. don't do it. I think we, uh, I, I think people tend to fall over themselves. Um, the media, I would say, is the worst culprit of this, of trying to uh, appear to be fair and balanced. And oh, we're listening to all sides of the of the uh, argument, quote unquote. But like when the argument is, do our queer brothers and sisters and siblings deserve the same rights as the rest of us, then, like, I'm not interested in hearing a devil's advocate about that. Because what they're doing is being extraordinarily hurtful to a huge group of people and making everybody else who kind of low-key agrees that, like, ew, gay people are a little gross. Like, that gives them the the sort of uh, support they need to be like, okay, yeah, like... Yeah, I think LGBTQ people are pretty gross, but I'm not a bad person because look at we're all, you know, it's just an argument that we're having. And there are certain things that there aren't two sides of an argument for. Like climate change is one of those. Like this is not worth having a debate between two people. Like you don't debate facts. You ju- you can debate feelings. You can debate what's the best way to address things. But it's just silly that ugh, it's just very, very frustrating that it's fucking 2021, you know, like these are unforced errors. Stop doing this bullshit. It's people giving praise to like Mitt Romney or Adam Kinzinger for like being anti-Trump Republicans. They're still Republicans. Stop acting like they're the good guys. They're still voting for judges who are ruining people's lives. They had no problem like with tax cuts for rich people. They're not your friends. Like, yeah, stop and- praising them for doing the most obvious thing that, by the way, an entire other political party did without thinking, like, without needing right. to do anything about it. Right. Um, and, just and- because they found one ounce of courage, they're not heroes. And, like, I don't want to try to one-up this guy, like, but... Even, you know, him saying, well, like, I don't believe that LGBTQ people are awful now. Like, I'm going to one-up you. I've never thought they were monsters. So, like, I don't know. Are you going to give me a church and a platform to talk at each? Oh, I have one. It's this. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking on a radio show. Take Um, that, Washington Cathedral. (laughs) Oh, by the way, after Lucado's apology, a different Christian pastor who was not invited to speak in any other church, uh, his name is Greg Farrington of Destiny Church in California. He delivered a sermon this week where he got mad at Max Lucado for apologizing. There it is. And and he said, Lucado did exactly what cancel culture wanted him to do. Boom goes the dynamite. We found it. Cancel culture. He apologized for his biblical stance on marriage and sexuality. Dot, dot, dot. This battle is not going away and we got to continue to fight. You got to understand we've got to be the army of God. That's not creepy at all. That's not vaguely or directly threatening of people who, oh my God. Like what? How? Don't they have, uh, heaven, don't they have other shit to do? Uh, No. Their number, like, just speaking. What are they going to do? Take time off from being bigots to go get vaccinated? No. I just, it's just like what I, I'm so deeply like I'm angry almost always, but I'm also so deeply confused why I'm, anybody gives a fuck about game. Like maybe I understand hesitation and whatever. What was it? 2015 that it 
that it passed. Yeah. Kind of maybe. And that's me giving a lot of leeway to people just being ignorant assholes. But at this point, like, Bud, you are you are neither on the right side of the law, nor are you on the right side of the history, nor are you on the right side of popular like sentiment. Like people don't to the point where that. even young people in your church are like, this is not a thing we care about. To yeah, argue dude, about. like most people like most church roles are shrinking quickly. Like, don't you think they should look in the mirror and say, like, how come nobody likes our message anymore? Is it because we're <laughs> monsters? Maybe. Maybe so we should change like I just Funniest shit on YouTube right now is watching people who are like under the age of 30 trying to defend conservative Christian views that are indefensible. So like hearing young Christian women defend purity culture under 30. Oh, those are wild. Or like 20 year olds saying, here's why gay marriage is a problem. It's like you've grown up in an age where people were getting married to people of the same sex. It literally has not affected you. It's not even like down the road. Things are going to be really bad. Like, no, you're there now. It's fine. You've always known Will and Grace was this show. Like this gay culture is not a surprise to you. You were born in 1990. (laughs) Right. What the fuck is wrong? I, I just sometimes I just take a tiny step back. And think, what the fuck is wrong with these people? <laughs> like, genuinely, what is so far up their ass that they still care who marries who? No, answer yeah. me, Hammond. I what's I up nothing. their ass? Um, uh, across. I, oh, yeah. Ooh, 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 it's right side up. I can see why they're cranky. Yeah. Um, can I talk about a couple things? Yes, go for it. Um, so we have talked a lot about trans rights on this show. Um, and a thing that's happening right now, that's sort of, I I would say what I expect, um, horrible people with terrible views to be focusing in on instead of, uh, instead of gay marriage is, uh, trans rights. So we're pro trans rights, um, obviously. And, there are places in across the country where people are taking a much more progressive view of like uh, honoring kids and teens gender identities, which I think is extremely important. And study after study shows that if you honor somebody's gender identity, their life is going to be longer, not happier, but they're less likely to die. So I would say that's overall a pretty good thing to do. Um, So Georgia as usual is clutching its pearls, um, they're very concerned. Also, it's just funny because whatever, 30 years ago when we had title, oh, was it title nine that has women, you need to have as many women's sports as boys yes. sports. And so we're pretty new on title nine. And I think there were a lot of pushback on that, but now they're like, well, if we let trans girls play basketball with girls that our girls are going to be like bullied out like well i don't know we had to bully you into letting girls play fucking basketball or whatever anyway so now everybody's all of a sudden very concerned that like junior high basketball is going to be bad because of the wrong gender (laughs) says people who have never watched a junior high basketball game (laughs) they're all goobers (laughs) um so uh georgia state representative philip singleton uh who is a republican i don't want to shock you uh he introduced house bill 276 on february 3rd and he thinks that he wants to uh ban 
he wants Georgia to ban transgender girls and women from competing in school sports as their gender, right? So trans girls can't compete with other girls. Um, so, which is stupid and dumb on its face, right? Like it's a pointless thing for a problem that nobody's actually having. Um, and he, but, but, and the problem is how, who's, who's to say, who is the person who is going to make the decision of, is this person a male or a female? If it's not that person. So what they decided to do or what they're considering doing is having a panel of three physicians to evaluate girls' genitals before they can play sports. Now, Hammond, Uh you tell me what would be more upsetting for you. For a a boy with a vagina to play basketball with you, LOL, when you were really athletic in junior high, Uh uh or a group of three strangers examining your penis before you're allowed to play basketball with other boys. Which do you think would be more mm, psychologically damaging, maybe uh, harmful for children and adults alike? Did you say the guy sponsoring this bill was a Republican, the party of people who want the government out of their lives? Um, I thought so, but at some point, yeah, it's just very... uh, Who is losing? I have yet to hear stories of people losing opportunities because trans people could play sports like with the appropriate side. Absolutely. Where are all these students who are like, I could have gotten on the team, but no, the trans people put me, pushed me out of there. It doesn't happen. Like all of these laws, all of these bills, none of these people care about high school, junior high sports. They're not concerned because there are no students who are genuinely affected by these uh, are, by this issue. They are trying to hurt trans people. Yeah. And that's these are anti-trans of- bills, not pro-sports equality or whatever they are trying to pretend it is. Yeah. It's never it's, about sports. It's just, just like the kneeling for the national anthem has nothing to do with like you're ruining the game. You're disrespecting right. the oh, sport. It's like, oh, this. I hate this. And, and, and like, God, not to mention taking a step back of like the military propaganda that takes place before oh, every God. sport in this fucking country. But it, it's just, God damn it. Like you Republicans are so fucking transparent and we see it and we see you and we're here to protect these little trans boys and girls who are just trying to live their fucking life in the most truthful way they know how. Sorry, people need to touch your genitalia first. That's the only way that can be done. And can you imagine, Hemant, if a Democrat b- brought that onto the floor somewhere? Oh, my God. Fox News would be wall to wall with, like, Democrats just want to touch vaginas of little girls or whatever. Like, it's unacceptable in every single way. And I would be, I hope. By the way, this is Georgia. This is Georgia, a state where it's not overwhelmingly Republican, right, even though right it is uh, like it's close to tippable. Uh, if they if they, get I mean, some... it, it, it is tippable. Like we we have two Democratic senators, and they voted for Biden, and like right. it's like the gerrymandering is going to keep it Republican, but sure. it doesn't have to be as bad as as it is. So the question is, how much? of the blatant awfulness of this bill is ever going to come back to hurt this legislator? And the answer is, I don't know. It usually doesn't because locally speaking, I mean, people don't care. 
I mean, it, I, I'm curious to see, like, I do think we are in the midst of a sort of cultural revolution around, like, around sexuality and gender identity and things like that. I think people are, while many people are not accepting or kind about it, I think most of us are more aware of the spectrum of gender and the spectrum of sexuality than we ever have in any point in, in American history, certainly. So maybe this tide change will be enough that people are on the side of trans people and will vote these people out. I don't, I'm not going to hold my breath for it, but like, I, I feel like anti, like anti-gay marriage Republicans are not very common anymore and not necessarily something they platform on. So hopefully we can get there, right. but in the they meantime, also chose not to have a platform at all. <laughs> right. But in the meantime, Georgia thinks that the best solution for this is to have three human adult doctors Three. That's my favorite part because <laughs> as if it's like a firing squad standing in a standing in a circle telling a little <laughs> child we need you to drop your pants. One or two doctors can't identify genitalia so you need that third one to like Right. Cuz it's an American them. Idol panel trying to decide if you go to Hollywood. <laughs> who's, <laughs> who's the mean one? Who's the nice one? Who's the Right. Randy Jackson? No, that was, was that like one? 10 years ago. He hasn't been on the show forever. Uh, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's happening in anyway. Georgia. Congrats, I have, Georgia. I have two more stories, but if you want to do another one, that's fine. Yeah, here's a really uh, quick one. The Pew Research Center came out with a survey this week. Guess what percent of black adults Uh-oh. identify as atheists? Black adults? Um, Black adults identifying as atheists. What's the national average? Like 30%? Oh, 30 to 40% are nuns. Oh, okay. Uh, So as atheists. Ooh, I'm going to say maybe 15%? Lower. Much lower. Really? Yeah. Like five? Like single digits? One. Oh, shit. 1% of black adults identify as atheists. 2% said agnostic. And 18% said nothing in particular, but I'm not an atheist or an agnostic. So we got about 21% overall are nuns compared to 30% give or take of the general population. Um, I should say uh, Mandisa Thomas, who runs a group called Black Nonbelievers, uh, basically said, you know, I'm going to paraphrase what she said. She said she had doubts about the survey because if they asked for self-identification, like what label do you use when it comes to religion? There's a lot of reasons a lot of black people may say, uh, no, I'm, I'm Christian, even if they go to church, but they don't believe. Sure. Like they may not use the word atheist for a sure. lot of reasons, but they don't necessarily believe in God. So she was thinking it's probably a lot higher than that. Certainly anecdotally, that's what she says she has experienced and she looks into this stuff really well, um, but it's much lower. And the one thing I would just add to the survey is because it's low, it's not just about logic and reason. It's a cultural part. Like mm-hmm. you can't just say, here's a list of biblical contradictions or here's a Richard Dawkins book and congrats. And now you're an atheist. It doesn't work <laughs> like that because right. there are other things that are keeping people either using a religious label or keeping them in a church. And like, I've heard this from especially more conservative atheists, which is like, why would you need to 
uh, play identity politics with something like religion. It's because different communities of people have different needs when it comes to reaching them. So if you are an ex-Muslim, there's a way to get through to ex-Muslims in a way that would not apply to former Christians who live in the U.S. Just like approaching uh, Black Americans and talking about atheism is going to require a different uh, perspective, require a different pitch, so yeah, to speak, right. as to why they should abandon their faith. And so it's just pointing out, look, that number is low. It's not because uh, black people can't be atheists or something. It's because there's other stuff keeping them in a religious fold, or at least with the religious label. Just keep that in mind. Um, what Mandisa also added is the survey, If even if she has issues with the way it was conducted, it does, however, and I'm quoting here, show the need for organizations like hers and why increasing the presence of openly identified black atheists and agnostics is important. So I, I'm fully on board with that. Cool. Um, how about scooching over to South Carolina for some horrible legislation that they're trying to do? Yes. So South Carolina um, comes up a lot in this show. Uh, and they completely, uh, they recently put together the South Carolina Fetal Heartbeat and Protection from Abortion Act. So they're not succinct in titling uh -huh. things. I would ask them to take a second pass if I was their editor. Uh, so the bill wouldn't, so it, essentially it uh, requires that doctors perform ultrasounds to check for a heartbeat in the fetus. If one is detected, the abortion can only be performed if the pregnancy was caused by rape or incest. Or if the mother's life is in danger. Um, so, so no abortions. Basically no abortions, but, oh my God, I don't know. I was going to say this is the bright side, but everything is just too bleak for that. So the bill wouldn't punish the pregnant women for getting an illegal abortion, but the person who performed the abortion would be charged with a felony, sentenced up to two years and fined 10 grand if guilty. So, um, Hemet, how do you... How do you feel about that? Do you have any thoughts? Because I so they want to kick out all the doctors who are there to help women. Um, and I mean, look, the point of passing a bill like this is to draw a lawsuit from groups because, of course, they're going to file a lawsuit to put a stop to that and try to get it up to the Supreme Court in the hopes that they'll strike down abortion everywhere. That's the goal here. It's it's not about helping women. That's not what Republicans do. The goal is to get it up to the Supreme Court so they could hurt women across the country. Mm -hmm. South Carolina is not enough. And we all know that the way to prevent abortions is to ban abortions. Is that right, Hammond? I, uh, I'm, my little women brain gets really confused. That, I know, that works, I know. right? Or is it more that people get back alley abortions and die from them, and so it's putting women in more danger, and we actually or know they, how to reduce abortions. Or they have to leave the state if they can, or yeah. find a way to leave the state to get health care. People are always um, going to be able to get abortions. The one thing about the Supreme Court is, even today, they've like they've basically pushed back stupid lawsuits. They would love to chip away at any mm -hmm. of this stuff, but these whole scale, just Nope, no abortion rights in these nine cases, whatever. Um, they, even this court seems reluctant to, to do that, to pull the bandaid like that. They would rather just chip away at it slowly. And so I don't know that this will succeed because they're, it would take quite a big leap that I don't even think this Supreme Court wants to take just yet. Um, and by the way, they would galvanize a lot of Democrats because you could easily right now 
write a bill that if if that's what you're responding to to say abortion is banned everywhere um at whatever 20 weeks with only mild exceptions it would be pretty galvanizing for democrats to pass a bill saying nope we're gonna undo that would you say i'd like to get your take on this would you say that the supreme court is waiting for kind of their pitch so to speak like waiting for that one and what do you think that looks like i don't know know? I don't know. I don't think saying like, we're just going to ban abortion except like if the mother's life is in danger, they're not, I don't think they are eager to do that. Like they know what backlash that would, uh, would ensue from that. Um, so they're not eager to do that, but if they could be like, well, yeah, all medical procedures need to happen in a complicated place. That is something they have gotten on board with. And so I, I don't know what happens here. I know South Carolina isn't doing this for women. They're doing it to get something to the Supreme Court. They want to be the heroes that get a bill to the Supreme Court that eventually overturns abortion. It's a race between all these red states to do it. I just don't know if it'll succeed. I hope it doesn't. And what's really interesting is like it's not like this is... I I think their obsession with abortion is very strange, considering uh, publicly speaking, it's not like they have the 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 majority on their side. I'm reading a um, an NPR story from June 2019. So it's a little bit old, but um, 77 percent of respondents said that the Supreme Court should uphold Roe. Right. Like. Like but they don't care about that. They'll happily they'll happily do it regardless of what public opinion is. But again, if it leads to more backlash, and it would for moderates, and it would for places that aren't crazy red, um, this is not. I mean, Republicans enjoy fighting against abortion more than they actually want to overturn abortion. It's like Ted Cruz likes to complain about Democrats doing the thing he just did. Like, he doesn't care. Yeah, he just likes complaining about it. Republicans love making money off of saying, we need to change the courts. It won't happen unless you elect me. But if they actually overturned abortion rights and got it banned, they wouldn't be able to do that anymore. Like, like you said, marriage equality is not a winning issue for them anymore. It was way more fun when it wasn't legalized. And they could be like, you need me to uphold marriage or it's doomed. Um, yeah, we're and then once it's legal, man and wife, and replace it with another husband. <laughs> yeah, and so I can't imagine a lot of Republicans want this to happen anyway. But I mean, I don't think the South Carolina law is going to stay around for very long. But I also don't think it's the thing that's going to get the Supreme Court to overturn abortion rights either. So it just seems like a futile effort, just meant to. I don't know for red state Republicans, like state legislators, to be like, "Look, I tried. Keep voting for me." Yeah. Um, I read a, I don't know, honestly, I don't know if it's a tweet or an article at this point, everything's a blur, but, but something about how the different, the, the fundamental difference between Republicans and Democrats is that Democrats tend to be very focused on actual issues that they want to affect. Whereas Republicans tend to not focus on issues and more focus on sort of the uh, surface level politics of things. Does that make um, sense? We talked about that? We talked about Madison Cawthorn, the the guy from I don't even know anymore, but the the young Christian who sexually, I don't know, did what to women who accused him of that stuff. But he has said he has said this publicly. 
He's 25 years old. Jesus right. Christ. He, he has said this publicly that when it comes to who he's hiring as his staff, he's not hiring people to help him with policy. He's hiring communication people like exclusively because his entire purpose oh, yeah. to being is owning the libs and not helping anybody. That's just the party's goal now. Ew, he only he doesn't even have a degree, which isn't to say anybody who doesn't have a degree isn't smart or capable. But I don't know if I'm 25 running for and a congressman, I, <laughs> I try to like get my education in line. Anyway, yeah, it. it well, at least know what you're doing. At least have a purpose to being there. He doesn't. He's correct. just there to be a Republican, like martyr for the cause. He just wants to be the guy they point to. Right. But he doesn't actually want to do anything in the government. This is the problem with the entire party that just wants to dismantle government. Like, you're there. You could help people. Nope, going to Cancun. Why would I help people? That's for others to do. Yeah, but he's not using his power grid, even though his... Oh, did you know he left his dog at home with the dog sitter? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, of course he did. Of course he did. Unclear whether there's a dog sitter. There's been some controversy. I did read it all morning that some like bodyguard or like house guard guy was just like, uh, yeah, we're watching the dog. It's a poodle. Do you know what the poodle's name is? Snowflake. Fucking snowflake. And he's trying to kill it. So like, I don't know, man, what are you doing? Of course he doesn't have a rescue dog. That monster. Um, (laughs) I have one more thing. Do you have anything else? It's all good. Go for it. I just wanted to do a quick death rattle of um, how Trump fucking blows and fucking sucked for four years. Um, According to the New York Times, uh, (laughs) apparently promotions for female generals were delayed under the Trump administration because they were afraid of Trump's reaction. (laughs) So this, (laughs) Jesus. So the Pentagon, uh, sorry, let me, um, so this is Miss Esper, Mark T. Esper, um, who's the defense secretary uh, at the time of this story happening. In 2020, the two Pentagon leaders, so this is Esper and Millie, they uh, they feared any candidates other than white men for jobs, mostly held by white men, might run into turmoil once their nominations reached the White House. So these two women were going to get promoted to pretty high positions, but Trump kind of has to not sign off on it, but he's told about it. He could stop it if he finds out. Uh-huh. Uh, Esper said, quote, they were, ch- they being these nominees, they were chosen because they're the best officers for the jobs. And I didn't want their promotions derailed because someone in the Trump white house, someone wink saw that I recommended them or thought DOD was playing politics. This is not the case. They were the best qualified. We were doing the right thing. So what we're hearing is, People promote it. So this, I mean, God, when we talk about internal, like, institutionalized misogyny, this is it. It's not just, oh, the, like, people's fear is always like, oh, a less qualified woman is going to take a job from a well-deserving white guy, which, LOL, like, I don't know if you've followed a lot of politics, but white guys are not always the arbiter of, like, good sense and whatever. Anyway, um... It's the opposite. It's these women were the most qualified and they're so fucking scared that Donald Trump's hatred of women was going to fuck up their army that they held these back, hedged their bets that Biden was going to win and hoped they could push it through then. So like, yeah, Trump was the fucking 
So these women are getting promoted now because they deserve it. But basically, the only way that happened is because the Trump lackey was like, you do deserve the jobs. But if I say anything, you might not get it. So for your benefit, and I I can't blame him for doing this because he's not wrong. He's like, for your benefit, let's just pretend this never happened and we'll get back to it under the next administration under someone who replaces me because then you'll actually get your promotion. And everyone played along with it because they all knew Trump was that big of an asshole and the Republican Party sucks. Uh, it reminds me of, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember in 2016, I remember this very vividly. Uh, John Greathouse wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal and the the um, headline is, Why Women in Tech Might Consider Just Using Their Initials Online. So it's the same thing. Like, so instead of applying to a job as like Jessica Blumke or Jessica Blumke Grave, I should do J Blumke Grave or whatever, because otherwise they might realize I'm a lady and I'm going to bring my vagina to work every day. Right, right. Well, there's a panel of three people who we may have to get. It's stupid. I mean, it's not surprising. I'm glad they got their promotion. It's appalling that like, here's the thing. Esper, one of the people Trump put in that position, he knew Trump was insane enough to do this. And again, I'm not blaming him for saying, you know what? You deserve to be promoted, but for your sake, let's just keep this on the DL until there's a new administration. Um, But so embarrassing. Instead of doing that, like he just kept it quiet and now they're getting promoted. Like Esper had every option to have said something about it at the time, call Trump out on it at the time. He did not. I mean, again, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing because now these women are getting promoted. That's good. They deserve it. But again, Esper could have said something in the job. He waited until he was no longer under Trump's control to speak out against that sort of sexism. And that's kind of every like anti-Trump Republican now, like Paul Ryan speaking out against Trump. It's like you were in power under him. Why are you complaining now? It's these feckless morons like Jesus, like fucking Mitch McConnell who vote. <laughs> yeah, I'm voting to not convict you. But also, this was totally your fault. And I'm going to say this after I voted in the way that absolves you from everything. We are but- literally, I would rather a slug be in office over Mitch McConnell because I think it would have more of a spine. Well, it would do more for Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Thank God, for happen. sure. Boy. Oh. Anyway, uh, do you have anything going on this weekend, Hammett? Anything? I, am, I have my state championship this weekend for my kids, and then the season is over. Oh, so good. Do you that, have any, my focus. Uh, any promising kiddos? We we'll yeah. see how it goes. It's always an emotional weekend when it's a high school state championship for anything, but uh, it'll be it'll be good. I'm yeah. excited for that to be. Virtual public speaking is is not ideal, but they've yeah. done a good job with it. Okay. Hey, um, you know what? I have a lot of space in my... Oh, are we done? I was going to... We're done. Playing. We're good. Yes, plug. Um, I have a few things to plug. One is my Etsy shop, Bitches Get Stitched Done. I actually have nothing rocking there right now, so I've been working on a long-term project. But if anybody wants anything, this is a good time. Uh, just go to uh, Etsy, just search Bitches Get Stitched Done, and either just message me if you can't find the custom order thing, and I'll make something for you. If you want to buy something I already have, that's great. Um, also this past week, uh, we, my other podcast I do with my husband, Cooper Duper, it's a Twin Peaks podcast. We just, uh, did Twin Peaks season three, part 
eight, which anybody who's watched season uh, season three of Twin Peaks knows it is a batshit crazy. Like it's just an hour of like abstract David Lynchian madness. And so we uh, we talked about that, and we had one of my good friends, Phil, who I used to do comedy with in Chicago. Uh, he was on, and it was so much fun to talk about. So um, I would recommend that if you're looking for it. Anyway, um, you can find me on Twitter at Jess Blumke, uh, J-E-S-S-B-L-U-E-M-K-E. Hammond? I'm at uh, Hammond Meta on Twitter, go to FriendlyAtheist.com. And if you like this show, go to Patreon.com slash FriendlyAtheistPodcast. And uh, we'll see you. Oh, Hammond, how many steps does it take to get a fucking letter to Ireland? Because you left that one unstamped, bud. <laughs> Go to the post office. They'll tell you. <laughs> All right. People are getting uh, thank you notes from us and stickers. Oh, I sent out a bunch of stickers last week. So um, if we owed you one, hopefully it's on its way shortly. And you should donate and get some more dope stickers. That's all I have. Thanks, Hammett. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.